0: Bibles to Hosea chapter 11. And the kids are dismissed. That's right. Back to classes. Hosea chapter 11. Today's message is like Pastor Denny said hunger. Are you satisfied or pacified? We were all born with a hunger for God, a deep desire and appetite for a spiritual connection with our Heavenly Father. Yet over time, we learned how to pacify this hunger with other things until our appetite for God is gone. So for the next few minutes, I want us to look at the level of our spiritual hunger What causes us to lose our hunger for God? Are we seeking to be satisfied or get just enough to be pacified? And how can we regain our appetite for God? John Piper said, when God is the extreme hunger of our hearts, he will be supreme in our everything. When God is the extreme hunger of our hearts, he will be the supreme in our everything. Hunger changes your priorities. When I was growing up, meals were the center of our planning schedule. Most of the time we were sitting at one meal when we was planning the next meal. Or tomorrow's meal. I mean, seriously. It was, you know, we planned around our meals. Well, let's just be honest. We still do that today, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. You guys do that too? Okay. But if our hunger took control when it got close to that planning time and we was thinking, oh, we got about two hour prep for this meal, it was like plans change, meal is now, right? Hunger changes your priorities. And when you lose that hunger for God, your priorities automatically shift. That's why that hunger for God is so important in our life. If you stay hunger for God, your right priorities fall into line correctly. But if you just look to pacify whatever need you have as a for a quick fix, that hunger for the best, the good, what God has for you, diminishes. And you settle for just being pacified. When you have a hunger for a juicy prime rib, baked potato, fried green beans. And you can actually start to smell it. If I hand you a cookie, it sure it might taste good. It might pacify you for a minute, but it does not meet your need for that steak. It can't satisfy like that steak can. The same goes for our spiritual hunger. We usually settle for something now instead of waiting for something better. So hopefully you found Hosea chapter 11 by now. I want to read to you out of the New Living Translation. Verses 1 through 7. Let me me give you some history of the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet that God told him to go marry a, let's just call her, a not-so-innocent woman. Because he wanted to demonstrate his continual commitment and love for Israel. Even though Israel, his bride, his people, kept prostituting themselves with other gods. Instead of turning to God to meet their need like this not-so-pure wife of Hosea's, uh, she continually went out and would continue to prostitute herself. So far that she ended up on the slave block being sold, even though she was married to Hosea because of her choices. Hosea went and bought her back, paid for his own wife, because he couldn't leave her. It's the same love that God has for us. Even though we continue to turn our back on God and, and prostitute ourselves by seeking our getting our needs met somewhere else other than God, he went ahead and he purchased us back again, even though we're his from the beginning. And he showed us this in Hosea. And so in verse 1 he says when Israel was a child I loved him and I called him my son out of Egypt and I called my son out of Egypt but the more I called to him the farther he moved from me offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and turning and burning incense to idols I myself taught Israel how to walk leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped down to feed him. But since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. God gave me a word in pre-service prayer, and I'll try to remember it. I was going to write it down, but... I just kind of got lost in the word. And he said, um, carry me wherever you go, and I will carry you. Forget me in your life, and I will never forget you. Turn from me, and I will stand and wait for you to return. For I can never leave you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask right now that you just continue to open our hearts, open our minds to receive all of you and all you have for us today. Let the Appetites for the worldly things, other things, even good things, diminish in our lives today, God, that we can smell and we can taste of how good you are. And our appetites can be aroused today to seek you to satisfy our every need for you alone, our good God. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 7 again says, for my people are determined to desert me. One translation says they are bent on backsliding. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. A couple chapters later in Hosea 13, verses 4-6, through it says, I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. You must acknowledge no God but me, for there is no other Savior. I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, actually, it would mean pacified right there. You became proud and you forgot me. But when you had eaten and were pacified. You became proud and forgot me. See, it's easy to cry out to God for help when we need help. It's much harder when we can go days, weeks, and months taking care of ourselves. To still feel... mm, To still make our actions line up with our profession. Our profession is God, you're all... What did he say there? You're most high, you're... But... Our actions don't line up with, I trust God. I believe God. I'm standing on God's word. God's my all-powerful provider. When really, you can provide for yourself most days. It's a picture almost like a... um, I'm, I'm assuming you already know... That when you ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that it's like a marriage that takes place within you. So when I refer to our relationship with God like a marriage relationship, it it should have. As a matter of fact, we learned in our marriage classes that um, it's almost like God put marriages together to show us the spiritual marriage. So that we can love him through our love for our spouse. physical. You know, physically touch and see this is how that love's supposed to react. So it's almost like, going back to my original example, it's almost like you have stepped into a marriage relationship, yet you don't want to talk to that partner of yours. I don't have to talk to my spouse. They know how much I love them. I can do my own thing, take care of my own self. I don't really have to find out what their desire is or their need is. How long would that marriage last? But we do that with God. We want the marriage certificate. We want the license. We want the, you know, hey, when I'm ready to die, I want to make sure I've got the ticket to heaven. But you don't want to have the real relationship here. You say it. But your actions don't prove it. I mean, you really, every step, and that's what that word was, you carry me. Carry me wherever you go, and I will carry you. But see, most of the time we pick up God for a few minutes on Sunday and then set him back down again and take off and do our life. We have, we have our Christian life. We have our business life. We have our family life. and God says, "You're putting me, you keep putting me down. you keep forgetting me. Carry me wherever you go, and I will carry you. Something that God keeps speaking to me the last few weeks is you know how I'm really I'm like dogmatic almost that God's you know God's promises have conditions. They do. they have ifs. you'll see there's always ifs. But there's no, that's the only no in the promise. Now, that doesn't even make sense. There's no no in the promise. He says, all my promises are yes and amen. You don't stand on one of his promises and him say, no, no, that's not for you. All his promises are yes and amen, but they all have conditions. If you do this, he said, if you carry me, I will carry you. All right, I'll leave that one alone. I believe we begin to develop a pattern of independence that draws us away from God. It seems harmless at the time, taking care of ourselves, but will lead to prayerless, self-reliant lifestyles that call God our Most High, yet dishonor Him as our all-providing Heavenly Father. I'll tell you, if you're a parent of older children, when they move out, you understand this. It's hard when a child goes from needing you all the time to not needing you anymore. And for, for God, remember, he's as much, he's got the manly feeling as well as the womanly feeling. And he's both father and mother. In one. And so his father heart wants to train, wants to equip, wants to discipline, wants to help mold. But the mother heart wants to tender, nourish, hug, hold. And that never goes away with God. But as we grow up, we think we need to separate ourselves from, well, we don't need him that much. And that might be okay in your physical relationship with your parents, even though it still hurts. <laughs> As a mama, in our spiritual life, as we grow and as we mature, as Paul says, it should cause us to need and want him more, not need and want him less. But see, this world has trained us that if we need to take care of ourselves, and so we think if that's true in physical, then that must be true in the spiritual, and it's not. It's a lie. It's like filling up on junk food. It pacifies us, but it will never satisfy us. Wednesday, we got a word in prayer meeting, which, by the way, prayer meetings on Wednesday nights awesome. That's right. You're missing it. You have got to show up at 630. We're hearing words from God more. We're seeing visions more. I mean, I was down here and was just, you know, I mean, like, you know. Like God put his hands on my shoulders and just said, Just stay right here for a minute and push me right down. And you know, one person said, I see angels all over, and I see a ladder right here, and angels ascending and descending, handing us gifts. And I heard a word that says, You you keep seek I'm gonna read it so I don't forget it. You continue to seek man to meet your needs, and so I let you. I have all that you need. But you're trusting and looking, but you're not trusting and looking to me to fill your need. And those gifts, I saw those gifts were constantly going up and, and bringing them to us. And we're, and we're sitting here thinking, well, if sister so-and-so would just release her purse strings and give us this. And God's saying, well, well okay, if that's what you want. And goes back up, takes those back up. so Oh, oh Helen, you need something here. I got it. And Helen turns to... Wayne and says, Wayne, do you have... And God's saying, oh, you don't want... Okay, I'll take this back too. Right? See, we don't turn... The world has taught us to fend for yourself, right? How many times have you heard that? Fend for yourself, fend for yourself. God's saying, I have all you need. If we truly believe and trust God, why do we get so wrapped up in this world? I mean, this is not your home. This is where your house is. This is where your earthly family is. This is where your job is to hold the house and to feed the family. But this isn't it. Don't be deceived into thinking this is all important. This is not important. This is necessary, but it's not important. Don't lose sight of what's important. Philippians 3.19 says they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. And God's saying, you have no clue. This is just a breath. I mean, how many times did you read that in the world? Your whole life is but a breath and it's gone. And yet you get so wrapped up in your situations and your circumstances and the oh, woe was me? And the me, 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 me. I want, I want, I want, I want. God's saying you're losing out on what's important. As human beings, we are all driven by our appetites, whether physical, spiritual, or emotional. But as we get older, we're supposed to learn how to discipline those appetites. Don't eat the ice cream for breakfast. Don't eat the eight pieces of cake in one day. Right? As we get older, don't we physically, we discipline our appetites. Well, shouldn't that be the same in our spiritual appetites? That the older we get, we realize, wow, you know, I'm just snacking on God. A disciplined hunger is the difference between being satisfied or pacified. Almost every time I I prepare a big meal, and I mean it takes to like hours, which right now, let's just be honest, is maybe once or twice a year. Thanksgiving, Christmas. Who decided to put those back to back anyway? I guess just let loose of the diet and go for it two months, right? And then we'll talk about it again in January. I guess that's good. But whenever I'm cooking a big meal that takes our and usually when I I plan I try to plan appetizer within the you know Thanksgiving or the Christmas time because I know it's going to you're going to be smelling all those nice smells but without fail the guys come into the kitchen and are looking for something to fill their hole quickly and what upsets me so much is like cuz I know if you do that You're not going to be that hungry later. And you're then just going to sit and just nibble at the stuff I prepared hours to put on the table. Same thing with your spiritual life. You nibble, nibble, nibble. And God says, here it is. Here it is. You have to discipline your hunger. Retrain your appetite to wait for what's better. But see, in our microwave culture today, we want it now. Right? Don't you get mad? There used to be a restaurant. I don't even think it's around anymore. And it's called Hot In. Now. Now. And we'd get mad if we had to wait three minutes in that drive-in or drive through To get our hamburger and greasy fries. But you know what? Again, you have allowed the culture of today, the microwave culture of today, to seep into the church and into your Christian walk. And so you walk in with your prayers to God and say, Um, uh, hmm, God, I'm seeking you with all my heart and soul. Okay, that's enough. Wait a minute. What do you got for me, God? What's in there? Nothing. Okay, let's try this again. God, all I want is you. My deepest is desire is to be filled with you. Time's up, God. What do you got for me? Nothing. See, I keep trying that God thing. And I walk away with nothing. Because that's how the culture has trained you. That it's quick. If you don't get it now, it's not for you. If God don't meet your need now, he doesn't love you. I mean, if we're raising a child, mamas, do you always run over the minute they make a noise? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, let's just be honest. In the beginning, yes. As they get older... And they start screaming because it's cute when they're two years old or three years old, sitting on the toilet, and they start yelling, I'm done, come wipe my butt. You're like, you're right, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna show you how to do it right. But when they're 10 and screaming, I'm done, come wipe my butt, you're like, wipe it yourself, right? Forget it yeah it's training disciplining our appetites see just because we don't get it in five seconds doesn't mean it's not for us you know the best meal is it the microwave meal or is it the one that grandma cooked for you know all night long that's right it's not the microwave meal It's the all night. I know you're already smelling your lunch today, aren't you? I mean, think about what happened to the scriptures that say those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. The knock and keep knocking. The seek and keep seeking. The be filled and keep being being filled. The taste and see that the Lord is good. is not limited by our time restraints. The best God has for us usually does not come unless we tarry, wait. You know, that was an old word. Everybody, when I grew up in the church, would use the word tarry. We're just going to tarry on the Lord right now. I didn't know what tarry meant, but I knew that that meant a long time being real quiet and just standing still. So I usually went under the peel and laid down under the peel. Because it was going to be a while until I could hear that pastor pounding on the pulpit again. And I'm like, "Ah, something's going on. But it usually came after there was this long waiting, crying. You'd hear people, you know, crying here, you know, rustling around there. But see, we don't do that anymore. We're microwave cultures of Christians where we want to punch in our five seconds, hear the time, go off, reach in, take what we want and go. What's been stealing your hunger? I recently was visiting a church, and God gave me a word for this man, who a friend of our family. I won't tell you all the details because some of it was very personal. And I mean, I was like crying beforehand because I knew him, but I didn't really, really, really know him, what he was going through. And I said, you know, I just want you to know I'm sharing this, you know, in all humility, and I shared this word with him. But part of the word I've kept for myself, and I hope you can keep part of it for yourself, that you're searching for someone to meet the need inside you. That I want to fill. You think that I can only fill your spiritual need. But I want to satisfy all of you. See, whether we're in a marriage or not in a marriage. If we're single for a long time or a little time. Or just starting to come into the I might be looking for my significant other time. That individual is not meant to meet your needs. Only God can fill you and truly satisfy you. And when you look for things or look for people, to sat- they're not satisfying, they're pacifying the need that God wants to meet in you. That's the spiritual hunger we need to get back to, to retrain, to regain. With Hosea's wife, Was the picture of the church seeking the world to meet the need that only her husband was supposed to meet. The church needs to get back to needing only God. Things are here, but God satisfies. Things will pacify, but God satisfies. Paul said in Philippians 3.8 that yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. And I inserted the word as, as my Lord. He said, knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. But as my Lord means that I don't, he's not just my savior. He's the leader. He's the ultimate of my life. He's the one I bow to. He's the one I, I seek to please. He's the one. It's His will, not my will. As my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Ask yourself Is there junk food in my life? Is there things that I'm sticking in my life to pacify my need, my hunger? Will this satisfy my hunger for God or is it just there to pacify my need? It's like sticking a pacifier in a baby's mouth. That only lasts for a little while before they realize there's nothing attached to this pacifier. Let's see, we've trained ourselves to be pacified for quite a while. So, how can we regain our appetite for God? Like I said, number one, identify, is there junk food in my life? Are there things that are pacifying that might need to be satisfied by God? Again, not a, I'm not talking about a two-year-old's wants, screams, and, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm not talking about that. The longing and the deepest desire of our heart is for that intimate relationship with God. Jesus prayed that in the garden, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. That's our deepest desire I'm talking about, our deepest need. So is there junk food in your spiritual life? When you stop eating the junk food, and I learn this, relearn this, every time I go on a prolonged fast or even a prolonged diet, like the last month, that right at first, all the junk food, even junk food I don't even like Was starting to call my name. When I knew I couldn't have it. Then all of a sudden I wanted it. But the longer I went. When it was two weeks. Three weeks. Four weeks into it. When I started to get hungry. I knew. I immediately went to the apples. To the turkey slices. To the you know. The healthy things. Because I retrained my appetite. That's what we need to do is is there things when you stop eating the junk food your appetite for the good food will return. Give up the microwave meals and wait on God to satisfy. Wait on him. Discipline your appetite. Again, looking to God to satisfy you, not man. Looking to God. Looking to God, not man. That's hard when you're when you When you get in your uh, prayer closet or prayer chair or wherever you pray. Are there things that you start to pray for and then you go, oh, that's too little. I'm not going to pray for that. God don't care about that. Isn't there? Oh, I can do that myself. Oh, I don't need to ask God to help me that I can take care of. I want to challenge you to lay it all out on the table. He cares about all of it. And he wants to meet all those needs, even the little bitty ones. And I wasn't gonna share this testimony with you, but I feel so urged. Hopefully it's God and not just my flesh. But anyway. I was we've been making good choices lately and, and trying to get out of debt and make wise purchases here and you know, push off things that we can wait till later to get it, whatever. Um, so, not to give you a whole big long story, but to make a very long story real short, one of the things were I'm not charging anymore clothing. Lord help me that I just stayed out loud. Anyway, um, oh Lord help me. Because he, anyway, a conversation was, you know, because there's never really a clothing emergency. So you can wait, you can go, you know, you can wait to get something when you, you know, when you have the cash, you don't have to charge it. And I'm like, yeah, that's true, God, there is really no clothing emergency where I have to have it now. Well, the last month or so, um, some items of my clothing, I'm like, God, this feels like an emergency, you know, it'd be nice to have, you know, and so I started talking to God, even though... In the back of my mind, I'm thinking this is so ridiculous that I'm asking God for, you know, clothing. And I came in last Sunday, and there was a gift card on my desk. And this card just simply said, I was praying about you, and God told me to give you this. And it was to a department store. And I'm like, are you kidding me, God? And he said, I care about everything of you. And I thought, you know, he does. And so I ran over to this person. You don't understand. You were listening well. Listening well. Because God does care about every little thing. And he wants to meet our every little thing. Not, again, not the spoiled child running around, throwing, I want, I want. Not that. Okay, I'm not talking about that. Otherwise, I'd be praying for... No, anyway. But he cares about everything. But when we seek man to meet our need, he said, like he said on Wednesday's word, I'll let you. If that's where you want it, be, you know, your needs met, I'll let you. But when you want to turn to me, and so I'm trying to retrain myself to turn to God every little thing. I'll put all the requests out there, God. And you can push aside what's needed, what's not needed, what's important now, what's not important now. John Piper said, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no more room for the great. So in closing, I want to ask you have you lost your hunger for God and that is a deeply transparent honest question that deserves the same response deeply honestly Uh, or are you just content with the amount of Jesus you have right now and maybe that's the issue maybe that's the real issue That you're just content with the amount of Jesus you have in your life. You're just being pacified. You actually have convinced yourself that you're good enough. You've nibbled so long that you're not even hungry anymore. My warning is the same that Jesus gave to the churches in Revelations. To one of the churches, he said, you've forgotten your first love. And he said, repent and do the things you did at the beginning. Or else I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place. He said to another church, I have not found your deeds complete. Remember what you have received and heard. Repent. And obey it. But if you don't wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. He said to one other church, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. So I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So be earnest and repent. The warning Jesus gives to these churches is a warning for us today. Believers, Christians, his own bride. Are sitting at their tables, eating, drinking, and yet have escorted. Jesus, your savior, right out the door. And closed the door behind him. His own, his bride. And Revelation says he stands at the door, though, still and knocks. The word this morning was, you may turn from me, but I'll never turn from you. He still stands and he still knocks, waits to come back in. His own, his own escorted him out the door. Remember in Hosea, God said, my own people are to determined to desert me. They call me their most high. They don't honor me because they've eaten and are pacified. They've left me out of their lives. They have forgotten me. God's instruction was to ask for forgiveness but over and over again see I, I believe this is where our problem is is that we're quick and I heard that when I was getting ready this morning pondering this word. Is that my church does not have a problem with asking for forgiveness. You're quick to ask for forgiveness. But you're not repenting. You see, over and over again, the churches are called to repent. That means stop doing the wrong thing you're asking for forgiveness for change the way you think don't long don't long for that don't have an appetite for that anymore gain your satisfaction from god repent turn from that he said over and over again repent and do the things you did at first repent and obey be earnest and repent but isn't that it? Don't isn't that what we do? We we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit that what we're doing is wrong, so we ask for forgiveness, but then next week, next day, next minute we do it again. Repent. Repent. Remember when John was baptizing before Jesus came? And the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, came there to see what was going on. And what did he call them? Brood of vipers! Who told you to escape the wrath of God? And his next sentence, verse 8. He said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Show that you've really repented. If you're God's children, prove it. Prove it. Produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. So don't just ask for forgiveness. Stop doing the thing. Turn from it. Change the way you're thinking. Repentance is all that. So let's ask God. Let's stand up. I'm closing right now. I'm closing. I want you to be honest. So it helps me when I close my eyes so that I can just concentrate on God. And you know, he already searches our hearts. He knows the motives of our heart. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're thinking. So why? I don't understand why we keep trying to hide things from him. It goes all the way back to the garden. Right? They knew they did wrong, so what'd they do? They hid! And God walked up to them and said, why are you hiding? Because we're naked! He says, I've already seen you naked! Why are you hiding now? Because sin causes us to pull back and try to hide from God. He sees it all anyway. So what are you trying to hide? As a matter of fact, and. I was just listening to a preacher that says "Did you know grace and mercy stand eagerly waiting to be dispensed upon you but they can only be given to those who know they need it when we refuse oh I'm not doing wrong I'm not everything's okay I can take care of that myself grace and mercy are then chained They can't. they can't be dispensed on you if you don't need it Forgiveness can't be yours if you don't think you need forgiven. God can't help you if you don't ask him for help. So what I'm asking you to to be honest with yourself. Have you lost your hunger for God? settled into just being pacified and content with enough of God I'm going to ask you if that's you, either one, just come up right now and just spend time, this is between you and God, but when you step out and you come to the altar that's an action that says "I'm I'm making this real, I'm making a commitment I'm stepping out of and I'm asking for God to meet God. To bow before His Lordship. So if that's you, come up front. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Brenda, I don't have a relationship with God. I, I, I've tasted here. I've nibbled here. I know a little, but I don't feel like I have that connection, that, that relationship with God. Today's your day. All you have to do is cry out to him. It can be your words or one of the prayer team up front here can lead you in a prayer. It's just simply you know asking for forgiveness, but also forgiveness and repentance. asking for forgiveness, asking for living your life on your own terms. And you know what? I, I'm really feeling led like that, that's more Christians in here today than it is um, not yet Christians, that you've been living your Christian life on your own terms your own way. And God's calling you to repentance today. Repent today. Be eager and repent today. Be earnest and repent today. And submit to him not only being your savior, but the Lord of your life. And carry him wherever you go. And then he said he will carry you. So Father, we just give the rest of this time over to you. we gave the beginning of the time over to you but now Lord we just quiet our hearts Lord and we wait on you your word says that you search our hearts you know our thoughts and so God we lay it all out before you right now have your way believe right now he's bringing things by his Holy Spirit to your mind and he's going to pop them in the forefront of your mind this is a junk food in your life that's junk food in your life that's junk food in your life and don't just ask for forgiveness but set your mind to repent so ask God to forgive you that you've been nibbling at that junk food and that's what's been drawing your hunger away from God but then turn from it set your mind to turn from it repent I won't do that any longer I won't do that any longer repent I believe he's calling the church back to repentance back to holiness because revival's here revival's here But if we're just nibbling at God, we'll never experience it. But when we drink deep of God, he satisfies our every need. So I just want you to spend time with God. We're closing early, so we'll have plenty of time. And really, I want you to just... Find a place. Come up front. Lay down at the altar. Kneel at the altar. Stand up. Whatever. And let's just really drink deep of God right now. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. We just seek you. We seek you. We seek you, God. We seek you. Lord, it's only you that can satisfy our every need. we just breathe you in we breathe you in God forgive us oh God forgive us oh God for nibbling at things nibbling at the world for thinking only of this world God help us to, to set our minds to what's important you're important our mission on earth here is important eternity is important there's so many people dying and going to hell because we're too busy with the world and doing our life that we're missing them. That's what's important. Mm. Oh, forgive us God. Forgive us God. We cry out to you. Fill us God. Fill us God. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Fill us.